0: Certified, the autobiography of David Harris. Written by David and Helen Harris. Read by James Pollack. For more information on the book, go to certifiedthebook.com. Chapter 12 A house was guarded by three mongrel dogs. Sly was a huge black wheeler pup, big paws and playful, yet fearsome because of his size. Sly was a harmless sook who slept on Simon's bed. Then there was Darius a muscular mix of Bull Terrier and Rhodesian Ridgeback. Darius was rusty brown and huge like a canine wombat. He was both untrainable and unkillable. No amount of intimidation or pain stopped him. Then there was Jake, a red healer Carolyn had taken in as a pup because he'd been mistreated. Fearful and nervous, he had a habit of sneaking up behind people and nipping their ankles. He really nipped them, sometimes even drawing blood. We saw it as all part of the game we played. If you got past Jake... You could buy drugs from us. The drug trade is a curious business. When there are plenty of drugs around, dealers compete for business. When drugs are scarce, dealers buy from one another to keep the regular customers. Late one afternoon, Simon and I returned home from a trip to Melbourne, spent locating drugs for ourselves. We expected to arrive back to Jake, Darius and Sly with all their individual takes on doggy greetings. But Jake was nowhere to be found. We searched around and found him under a neighbour's house, badly wounded. A neighbour described the guy and his car, and we worked out it was another drug dealer who'd come to a house to see if we had any drugs. We were told how the guy fled in a mix of fear and rage, returning armed with an axe. He'd cornered the dog and ploughed the axe into his shoulder. This set off fury within me. I was incensed that someone could do such a thing. Our whole household was enraged by this indecent act. Doors were slammed, voices were raised and cigarettes were sucked down in long hard drags as we all expressed outrage over such a serious insult. Carol and Nurse Jake, who had not been killed by the attack but needed immediate attention. He'd lost blood and had a very serious shoulder wound. His rusty brown fur was soaked red. Just the sight of the injury made a squirm. It was like a switch inside me was turned on and pent up rage started to stream out of me. Insults on our household like this demanded revenge. This fury was like someone else taking over my body. There were no thoughts other than the critical need to avenge this injustice. Simon and I grabbed iron bars, jumped into the car and tore around to the other dealer's house. The plan was to break this guy's arms and legs, and then smash up his house. It was dusk when we arrived. We waited until the door was opened and when someone came to score drugs. We waited until the door was open, and when someone came to score drugs, we angrily demanded to see the guy who axed the dog but we were told he was not there. We didn't care. We were both known for our violent outbursts when circumstances that were unjust crossed our path. We burst through the unlocked front door, threatening all who were in the house. We swung our iron bars wildly at the furniture, seemingly out of control, plaster walls were smashed and personal items damaged. Still enraged, we made verbal threats to some of his mates who were there and left. There was some satisfaction in releasing the stream of rage on this seemingly deserving crew. We were just getting out of the car in the dark at home, when two carloads of guys showed up, led by that very rival dealer. It's on now, I thought to myself and prepared to do battle. The guy who we thought had hurt Jake jumped out of the car and yelled abuse, but instead of taking us on, he retreated back to the car and the two vehicles sped away. Immediately we posted guards to keep watch. It was barely ten minutes later that the cops showed up, cruising past our house. They drove past really slowly, while shining spotlights across our front lawn. Seeing nothing, they left. Actions such as that were interpreted by our household as a loud threat. Inside, Patrick was furious, storming around the house and vowing to kill those gutless bastards. I thought he was just ranting, but the next day I discovered that Patrick had found himself a shotgun. He announced that he was going over to the dealer's house to blow him away. I no longer felt the same rage that I had the night before. I certainly didn't want any of us going back inside. We just wanted to get even. Hey, Patrick. No, don't do it, mate. He's not worth it. You've spent enough time in the nick, I pleaded. I can't let him get away with this. He's gonna die. No, mate, let's talk this over. I talked with Patrick about a smarter way to handle it. If he was caught for this, they would throw away the key, but Patrick wasn't going to be dissuaded. If we don't teach him a lesson, he'll think he's getting away with it and if we don't kill him, he'll come back and kill us. He had a point. We didn't want to back down, or everyone would lose respect for us, and we were supposed to be big shots. The situation had escalated, and if we didn't finish it for good, the dealer would come back for revenge. The household was tense. Hatred motivated our discussions, like a black poison being ingested in large gulps. I was not only defending my territory, but also our right to exist in freedom. Our minds only tracked in one direction. We were not going to be outdone by a wimp who couldn't even handle a dog. I felt a strong need to defend our family. Patrick was rough, but he was on our side. The dog was annoying, but he was my sister's dog. Jake may have been the catalyst for this war, but raw rage was already consuming each of us, ready to do whatever it took to be independent of others' threats. Mate, I've got an idea. We'll get a professional to take him out. I told Patrick, and I knew just the bloke for the job. I thought back to a guy I knew from prison, Bomber. He was a striking guy, tall and solid with long black hair. He was likeable, he spoke well and had a big ego. No one messed with him, knowing he had a black belt in karate. We had met through a mutual friend in Pentridge Prison. All three of us were searching for spiritual truth at the time. Bomber had been my friend. He was not the sort of person you would see as violent and dangerous, He just did his time and stayed out of trouble in prison. However, as I got to know him, he started to share stories of how he had become a hitman for various connections. He was not in for murder, but had successfully handled hits in his past. We had been to an ACDC concert together in Adelaide. I knew I could still track him down. We figured we could all be at a nightclub with a watertight alibi and allow Bomber to finish the task for us. It took me a couple of days of phoning contacts I had But eventually, I did reach him. Bomber was living on a farm up in New South Wales, in a small riverina town near Hay. The tension in my house was only managed by the resolve we had to complete this issue. I called his number, but could only reach his answering machine. I left my name and number, saying I needed to see him urgently. We grew more restless by the hour, and we waited to see if Bomber was willing to be a part of our plan. Bomber didn't call back that day. We spoke constantly about how to secure our plan and what else we could do if Bomber could not come. The next morning there was a knock at the door. There was Bomber on our front doorstep. What a relief as I saw our answer standing in front of us. We anticipated all our problems would soon be over as we saw justice. I welcomed Bomber into our home, ready to plan a hit on the focus of our ongoing venting. Within minutes of Bomber's arrival I knew something was seriously wrong. Bomber's egotistic persona had softened. He was still confident, but somehow it was mixed with humility. I started to feel nervous as to whether Bomber would do what we desired. I left the room in disgust as I could not believe my bad luck with this guy. I was expecting him to come with a pistol. Instead, he rocked up to my home with a Bible. Before I could even explain our plan to him, he pulled out his Bible and began telling us about his religion. This was completely not the plan. He was no longer our hope for peace. He was ruining everything with his newfound dream. He was different, very, very different. I didn't understand or want this new bomber. Bomber told us he'd got my message and prayed for us, and God had told him to come down to Ballarat. I don't know why he didn't just call us, I was not looking for God to intervene. I was looking for the old bomber to come down, do our dirty work and go home. Was this guy crazy? I didn't want religion, I wanted him to kill the other dealer. We talked for ages and every objection I had he countered with verses from the Bible. I didn't want to know about Jesus or the Bible and I told him so. Bomber wasn't put off and asked to stay with us a few days. While I wanted him to leave and take his religion with him, I agreed that he could stay a while. After all, he was my mate and I needed to look after him. At first I didn't want anything to do with Bomber's faith, but over the next few days I saw that he was a changed man. The cocky, proud, arrogant young guy was gone, and now he was a humble, caring man. He seemed really sincere as he spoke about his new life and the peace he'd felt knowing that he'd made things right. He invited me to go back to Hay with him, but I was still convinced he was crazy. I shook my head, said goodnight, and went to bed. I hoped he would leave that next morning. Over that night, something changed inside me. As I was laying on my bed early the next morning, I remembered how Patrick, Dutch and I had wanted to go straight and make something of our lives not so long ago. Bomber was doing just what we had wanted to do. Hatred, violence, revenge, intimidation and fear were now the dominant emotions in my life. As I lay watching the sun glistening through the crack in my cream curtain, I realised that I wanted to know his secret. As Bomber was getting ready to leave, I announced I was going with him. I didn't really understand my motive. I just felt compelled to pursue something I did not know. I threw a few clothes in a duffel bag and tossed it into the back of Bomber's battered ute. On the way to Hay, Bomber stopped at a friend's place and picked up some videos by a guy called Barry Smith. We watched some of these videos about the end times that predicted all kinds of trouble, drawing on verses from books in the Bible like Ezekiel and Revelation. They even explained how some of the prophecies had already been fulfilled. And warned that human history was rapidly coming to its climax i was amazed that books written thousands of years ago could speak about nations and events that were making news in the 1980s now i was interested the focus of revenge had been dropped something had been powerful enough to break the deadlock of hatred long enough for someone else to catch my attention i was intrigued by this new journey we arrived in hay in time for dinner I had not taken any notice of how good food smelt for a long time. Bomber's girlfriend served us a lovely dinner, which I devoured. It was so different from the bachelor food I'd been living on. After dinner, we sat in their small but comfortable lounge room. Bomber handed me a Bible and we began to read together. I started to feel weird. I shook all over. Something really strong was going on, but I couldn't for the life of me work out what it was. I'd started to sweat and was feeling edgy. It was not hot, but I could feel this unusual sweat dripping off me. It was like there was a battle going on within me. I'd been through some weird spiritual experiences, but nothing compared to how the words being read from the Bible seemed to grab hold of me and make me physically jolt. Good and evil seemed to be wrestling inside me, fighting for control. It scared me, but I knew it was real. I wanted what Bomber had, but I was afraid that the war going on inside me would tear me apart. Bomber bundled me into the Ute, and drove over to the pastor's house in town. With no formal intros, Bomber told his pastor what had been happening in the past few days. The pastor spoke with me about what I was experiencing. He spoke about Jesus in such a personal way. I was shown verses from the Bible that pierced my soul. He showed me John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I knew I was dead on the inside. I longed to connect with real life. There was a feeling inside me of being lost. I could not express it. I did not understand it. But when this pastor told me that Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost, Luke 19.10, I knew a pull from deep within me was drawing me towards this Jesus. I knew I was what the pastor called a sinner. He told me that sin was everything I do that God doesn't like. He told me that God had a plan to forgive me and remove all of that black stain. I did not know God, but was intrigued by the notion that just maybe I could be forgiven and given a fresh start. As this pastor spoke of Jesus and how he died on the cross as an innocent man to pay for my guilt, my desire to receive what Jesus offered grew, my sin forgiven, my heart made clean, given a fresh start. As we talked, my heart stirred in response to what was on offer. He told me to get down on my knees. He led me in a prayer, saying sorry for my sins and asking Jesus to come into my life. I suddenly saw a bright light and felt an incredible peace. The pastor smiled warmly and encouraged me to read the Bible and to talk to God. I nodded and thanked him as Bomber ushered me out the door. Back at Bomber's place, I picked up the Bible he gave me and read a psalm. More than just words on a page, it was like words were piercing my soul. In all my astral travel and Buddhism and the demons in my room, I had never felt a connection like this one. God was speaking the words to me personally. I was in touch with the being who had made me, who had made the whole universe. I was blown away, completely blown away. The peace I now felt was tangible. Staying at Bomber's house, I found myself at a Bible study at another guy's home the next day. When we got there, everyone was singing, praising Jesus and lifting their hands in the air. I figured this is what Christians must do, so I joined in, calling out my thanks to Jesus for giving me this peace. Some of the others were speaking in a strange language I couldn't understand. It was like they were freely praying and worshipping Jesus in another language. I thought it strange that a bunch of Aussies would not be praying in English. Even Bomber had this different language going. All of a sudden, I realised I was speaking in a strange language too. It was amazing. How could this be? Almost as suddenly, I felt violently ill and ran from the room to the toilet where I threw up. I felt like my guts was being turned inside me. It was as if something evil was being forced out of my belly. But I had no idea what was really happening. The others just kept on praying. I rejoined the group with my stomach empty, my face pale. The Bible study ended and we went home. Bomber didn't seem at all surprised at my experience. Maybe everyone spewed their guts up when they became a Christian. Certified. The Autobiography of David Harris. Written by David and Helen Harris Read by James Pollack For more information on the book go to certifiedthebook.com